you for coming, everyone who's come, and everyone online that tuned in. And I, um, I might have picked the wrong mic for this particular message because this mic picks up sniffles. And, um, <laughs> and I am about to share an incredibly uh, powerful message from God. And um, it's his heartbeat. It's his heartbeat. And so um, I'm going to be in a place of vulnerability, so I, I brought my box of tissues up um, as I share this message today. Uh, so hang on and hang in there till the end, because God has a little gift at the end for you. Um, he just wrecked me with it um, a week ago. As I call him Jesus Kisses, and he just kissed it, and it was his kiss of approval on, on this message. And that humbles me greatly that I'm even standing here trusted to share his heart with you. He is my passion. He's walked with me through many dark valleys and it's the stillness, it's the stillness that got me here. Um, so I'm just, um, wanna say a little prayer before we start. God, you wreck me. wreck me. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you do and, and all the love you pour on each and every one of us. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you're faithful even when we are faithless. You just don't give up on us. You are persistent. And you woo, and you woo, and you woo, and over and over again in the Bible, you say, come, 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 come. I thank you for that. I thank you for that. I thank you for the invitation that your arms are stretched wide, and you say, come to me, child, come to me, child. Lord, I stand here humbled and honored that I would be given the opportunity to talk about you, but I don't take that lightly. And so guard my heart and guard my mind and guard my mouth and only let flow from the well you've placed in me what is the water that you want released today. Holy Spirit, I just truly surrender my notes, my ideas, my thoughts, my everything to you. And I pray for everyone listening. Lord, I pray for them. I pray for their eyes to be open, their ears to be opened. I pray for their heart to be held out. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence that never leaves, never, ever leaves. We acknowledge your presence and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Actually, anytime I've spoken and like Derek um, does the worship, because I'm usually speaking because Pastor Sean's out of town, I always feel like I could just get up here and say, amen, um, you're all dismissed because the message is really in the worship. And if he, I mean, did they not do a wonderful job of leading us into stillness? I mean, yeah, I, I felt so still at that moment that it's like, I think we're just done. And then of course the heart started beating as I knew I needed to get up here um, and share. And I don't even, I want to read, I'm taking those words back um, that I get to get up here and share. 
um, I believe God's kissing us all the time. And, and that first song, um, the enemy's been defeated, death couldn't hold you down. I felt like God had his finger and he was pointing it right to me. Death couldn't hold you down. I'm a little teary because I honestly didn't know if I'd ever talk again or share because I've been in a deep valley and man, I didn't know I was going here. But I've just been in a deep valley and I'm, I'm just real and I'm honest. But what got me through my deep valley and is getting me through my deep valley is the place of stillness. It is the place of stillness. That is where life is. That is where breath is. And so... Um, I'm actually, even though I'm crying, very excited inside to, to be up here and just talk about stillness, about God, about his faithfulness, about his goodness. And as I think of words, you know, words are just little boxes. They're just a little box, a little container that, that we use, that we try to use it to convey a meaning, but it's really insufficient. There are no words or boxes in which God fits in. He is so much bigger. And a few years ago, I started asking him, blow up all the boxes I have put you in. And man, has he been blowing them up, blowing them up, blowing them up. But the blowing up of the boxes has been in my place of stillness. Um, I am really rocking the elementary teacher today. For those of you who don't know, I am an elementary school teacher. I teach second grade, little seven and eight-year-olds, and I'm rocking it today because I've got my color-coded index cards. I've got my poster board, poster board. I think of Pastor Derek and Pastor Sean so techy. I actually do have a couple um, PowerPoint slides, but um, I have poster board, elementary teacher, and I have teaching tools, props, they're actually my stones of remembrance here. Um, I'm theme, there's daisies here. I'm wearing a daisy shirt. Um, I went up in the attic today and I said, I need a basket and I search and search and search and I couldn't find one. I'm like, okay God, you are the provider and you're gonna provide me the basket that I need, the right size, where is it? So I'm wandering up there and there's a basket, it's got daisies on it. And I'm walking through the sanctuary um, early this morning praying and I see daisies. Now why daisies? Why daisies? Why am I theming it as an elementary teacher? And I say elementary teacher, but as a student, I feel like I'm a preschooler when I'm with God. <laughs> I feel so preschool, like I'm just learning the basics. But why daisies? Okay, I'm gonna see if I can pull one out without destroying the whole thing. How many of you girls, I'm sure boys didn't do it, um, when you were a little girl, you would pluck the little leaves and you'd go, he loves me, he loves me not. And you hoped the last leaf would be, or petal, not leaf, would be, he loves me. You definitely didn't want it to be, he loves me not. Well. Sandy Lothberg gave me a, um, a prophetic word back in 2014. <laughs> and she gave it on daisies. And um, it was it, my walk at that point, I really hadn't had people speak prophetic words. It wasn't my history, it wasn't my background. It was like something new to me. But she likened me to a daisy, and she said, because daisies hang in there <laughs> through drought and dry weather and they just hang in there. And then she went to the he loves me, he loves me not and she goes, 
you're going to be able to go up to the people who say, he loves me not. He doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. He loves me not. And you're going to say from your place, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Um, and that you'll be telling people that, well, this was seven years ago. Seven years ago. I never in my wildest imagination would have ever thought God would give me the ability to talk about his love like that. So I went to buy three white roses to signify the purity of his love, the trinity. But I saw the daisies and I immediately knew, Oh, you want daisies, God. You see, God's talking to us all the time and providing for us all the time. It's just a matter of whether we have figured that out and we're in tune to it. So then I thought, well, I'll just cruise by the clothes as I leave Walmart. And there was a daisy shirt. And I'm like, oh, I think you put that for me there, right? So I got the daisy shirt and then it just started snowballing. So I am here to tell you that stillness is the greatest, most beautiful gift we've been given. And yet, we don't get it. We struggle with it. We, we just don't do it. Um, there is a scripture verse. Let's see if I can find it, because I'm already not even following the notes. Um, it says, in returning to me in rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confident trust is your strength, but you are not willing. Oh, doesn't that just, he's telling us, he's telling us where our salvation is. And when I'm speaking that salvation, I mean your moment by moment, day by day, saving graces. But you would have none of it. And, um, I see the effects of the busyness in our world on my little seven and eight-year-olds. I would love to take every one of their technology devices away from them. And we could debate it and we could argue it. I'm just speaking from my heart as a teacher. I see what it does. I have seen what it does. Uh, my teammate was sitting with um, her group of students and she was saying, we were trying to teach AM and PM, you know, on telling time. And, one little kid goes, well, at 7 p.m., I take my medicine to help me sleep. And then I go to bed at 8.30. No, 7.30 p.m., and then I go to bed at 8.30. And then all these little hands in her group went up. I take my medicine at this time, and I take my medicine to sleep at this time. And she comes over to me, and she goes, oh, my goodness. These little seven- and eight-year-olds are having to take medicine to calm down, to go to sleep. That's what we're doing, guys. It's like we're on a treadmill and it's so fast, we can't even get off. We can't, we're just trying to keep up. I'm gonna say some research and it's actually, I believe, Pastor Sean's shared some of the same research. According to the, according to the national science, an, an average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. Of those, 80% are negative. We're, we just tend to go negative. 80% are negative. And 95% are repetitive. If we repeat those negative thoughts, we think negative way more than we think positive. And if we don't stop to get off that treadmill of negative thinking, it is propelling us 
in a not good direction. Much of our thinking is regrets of the past or fear of the future, unhealthy comparisons, blaming others, blaming ourselves, uh, self-abasement, critical thinking. Eckhart Tolle and Father Richard Rohr, two people I've been reading and listening to, have both said that over 90% of our thoughts are not in the present moment. 90% of your life isn't even being lived in the moment. You're living in the past, which is gone, and Jesus said, forget it. Or you're living in the future, which he said, do not worry, today is sufficient. But no, 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 because it's so hard for us. We, we, we're in the future because, you know, we gotta figure things out, we gotta solve things. You know, who else is gonna solve things? I, I gotta figure this out. Um, we love control, and if somebody can give us a plan and guarantee an outcome, we like that. So we're always trying to come up with a plan or strategy, because oh, if I just, I mean, how many of us haven't? It's like, oh, okay, I have an answer. Now I'm at peace. See, we think peace is going to come when everything lines up, or we get the answer from out there, but what God is saying, it's an inside job. And that inside job, isn't, he's not going to knock you over the head. He's going to say, come. Come into stillness, my child. Come, come, come. Another quote, mind wandering appears ubiguous across all activities, says Killingsworth, a doctoral student in psychology at Harvard. This study shows that our mental lives are pervaded to a remarkable degree by the non-present. We're not living our life, guys. We're missing our life. Mind wandering is an excellent predictor of people's happiness. Killingsworth says, in fact, how often our minds leave the present and where they tend to go is a better predictor of our happiness than the activities in which we are engaged. Time lag analyses conducted by the researchers suggested that their subject's mind wandering was generally the cause, not the consequence of their unhappiness. We think our, our thoughts are, are following our um, circumstances. That's not how it is. Many philosophical and religious traditions teach that happiness is to be found by living in the moment. And practitioners are trained to resist mind wandering and to be here now. Killingsworth and Gilbert note in science, these traditions suggest that a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. This new research, the authors say, suggests that these traditions are right, which I love. I just love, because it always proves what, the, what God is saying. You know, God is saying, be still and know that I am God. That's my anchor verse. Could we put that next um, slide up? Whoever's doing slides? Is anybody doing slides? Oh, good. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That's a present tense. God said to me, one time I shared this, I was sitting in stillness and he was wrecking me. And I'm like, I just want to give you something. I want to do something for you. I just need to express my love. And yet if I draw a picture or paint a picture, you're the creator who even gave me inspiration to do that. And if I go cut flowers to give you a bouquet, you're the one that even grew the flowers. There is literally nothing I can give you. I want to give you something. And he so 
clearly said, your presence is my present. We so want to do things for him, but he's just saying, would you just be still? I just want your presence with me right now. Would you stop the 90% of your thinking outside of right where I am with you in the present? Can you come and be still with me? If we could go to the next slide, this is what I've learned, my life lesson. Stillness gives birth to rest. Rest gives birth to intimacy. Intimacy gives birth to love. And love gives birth to peace, which is freedom. And that's what he wants for you. But do you see the little trail? We all want that peace. We all want that freedom. But it's hard to be still. I wrote a poem once out of stillness. Like, it was my heart's cry, and it was really five years ago. <laughs> this has been a long journey. It's called Be. My Lord, show me how to be, to be me, to be yours, to be in the moments. Show me how to be, for when I am, you can flow through me. When I am is when I can truly see. It's not when I do, or I seek, or I strive. It's when I am with the great I am inside. So, my Lord, show me how to be, to be still in the moment, and just be me. Each one of you is so precious, so unique, so loved. And if we would slow down enough, slow down enough and just be, we would be able to hear his whispers. When you came in, Ariel was handing out a little sand, and there's a reason. A teaspoon of sand is, mathematicians and scientists, you know, I read somewhere, I, I can't even imagine how they figured it out, but a teaspoon of sand has approximately, you know, grains of sand or different sizes, 10,000 grains of sand. 10,000 grains of sand. Psalm 139, verse 17 through 18. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly, constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires for me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake up each morning, you are still thinking of me. Mathematically, they say there is about seven quint quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand in the world. And you know it's being formed constantly. His forms, his thoughts never stop. They're constantly being formed over you. Do you believe it? Can you picture yourself on a beach with your fingers dug deep and you're leaning back in his rest and your toes are dug in the sand and just imagine all that sand his thoughts are for you but you're only going to hear them in the still place 
He knows what we need. He knows it. Oh my goodness. We, it, it doesn't take a scientist to tell us the increase in the suicides. We hear of them too much. And most recently, a young gentleman who had his whole life ahead of him. It, it's happening all the time. They don't know his thoughts. They don't know his thoughts for them. The world is crazy. Your, your phone and your devices are telling you what happiness is and how to get it and what it looks like and everybody else has it. And so you're trying to figure this all out. But God wants to talk to your heart because happiness, peace, is an inside job. And he's the only one. He's the only one. He's the only one. So I have some things here that I'm gonna share with you and this is where I get a little emotional. Because still this is really, honestly, a place of intimacy and you don't necessarily go and um, share intimate things with other people about relationships you're in. But this is different and I had a dream a few nights ago and, and I know that he's asking me to be vulnerable. And I've shared some of these but when I put them all here, and they're so right here, it just floods me with memories. So I just want to tell you some of the things he's taught to me in stillness. And I do this because, um, well, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna read a, a quote, a couple quotes. Well, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Um, see, I, I just love this, he, he humored me. And he let me write notes. Um, and that's just how he is. I just, I so love him. Okay, St. John of the Cross said, In the inner stillness where meditation leads, the spirit secret, secretly anoints the soul and heals our deepest wounds. It's in the stillness where your wounds are healed. In stillness, the muddied water returns to clarity, is another quote. In the stillness of the quiet, if we listen, we can hear the whisper of the heart, giving strength to weakness, courage to fear, and hope to despair. It has been in the stillness in which God has bathed my heart. You know, it's like, like you are the garden, and when you get still, you're letting the gardener walk through his garden. And he may pull some weeds, and then he may plant some weeds, and then he waters, and he shines his sun on you. But the garden is just being the garden. And the gardener is doing the work. Do you believe God is that big? Or do you really think you gotta do something? It's kinda like he showed me, um, quite a few years ago. Um, and see, this is how God corrects. So if you think that God, if you're scared to sit in stillness because of the voices that you might hear, I'm just gonna be upfront. He is never harsh. He never tears you down. There is no shame or judgment or condemnation in his voice. He is such a beautiful gardener. And can I say, surgeon. He uh, showed me once my heart and it was filleted open. And this is in stillness. See, 
this is where he heals me. And he puts his finger on something that's wrong, but I have no, I mean, I feel free. I don't feel condemnation. So he, he showed my, me my heart filleted, and there were little black weeds growing all over it. Now, nobody really wants to know that there's black weeds growing in their heart. But I knew he was showing it to me, and he was showing me how he was going to remove them. Now, the key thing was he was going to remove them. How many heart surgeons let their patients facilitate the heart surgery? I don't think they do. They kind of knock them out, get them still, get them quiet, and they perform surgery. See, we want to get in there, and we want to do the surgery. But all he's saying is, I just need you to be still. Just be still. Because in the stillness, I'm going to show you things. One of the things he showed me, just sitting quiet with him, I saw this picture, and I, I'm not even trying to form these pictures, but sometimes in stillness it is good to just concentrate on water or light. But in this picture I saw us on the top of a mountain, and um, he was holding that glass in his hand. I don't know, I didn't ask him about it. Um, but another time in stillness, he's holding it again. And I don't know how many times it took for me, but I finally said, because we're not even talking. It's just Jesus and I standing side by side. But finally I said, what is that? What is that? And he said, I have to see, I have so many. He said it was the elixir of his love. And so I'm just going to remember what it said because I have so many notes and I've gone way off anyway. Um, the elixir is a cure-all. It's medicinal medicine. It is the essential element. It turns base metals into gold. What he's saying to me is, drink of my love. This alone is the essential element. It is the cure-all for what ails you and humanity. Drink the elixir of my love. You're not going to be running a marathon and on the treadmill and be drinking that kind of love in. Yes, we can encounter him throughout the day. Yes, we do. Yes, he can talk to us throughout the day, but it's when we get still and let the heart surgeon do surgery that some of our deepest wounds are healed. Another time I saw us on top of a mountain and he was putting his finger somewhere, just calling my attention to a truth. But in the most loving, inviting way, standing on the top of the mountain with him and I'm holding his hand. But I also am holding a red wagon. And I'm looking up at him and I'm drawn to him and I wanna crawl up in his arms. But I look down at the wagon I'm holding. I look up at him, and the only way I can crawl into his arms is if I let go of the wagon. What he was saying to me is, you're dragging along some burdens. <laughs> I want you to let him go and let me hold on to you. See, that's the kind of correction. You don't need to be afraid of the stillness that God's going to put his finger on some terrible sin that you think no, 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 no. It's the most beautiful thing. Another thing that'll happen in stillness. See, we all have 
somewhat of a belief in God, and if you're listening and you don't, you do have some preconceived ideas about God um, from what the world's told you. And I just wanna say I'm sorry about that because I think the world misrepresents him all the time. But I just wanna liken your ideas to the God that you have to a beautiful little box and you have put in your box, he is good, he is kind, he is faithful, he died for me, all the things you believe about God. And it's a beautiful little box. But the problem is, is God doesn't fit into boxes no matter how beautiful they are. And at one point, I wrote a poem about blow up all the boxes I put you in. And he took me up on that, and that was kind of a painful journey because our ego doesn't really wanna die. And we think we've got things figured out and we know truth. And when he comes and he says something that like rocks our boat, we're like, ah, that doesn't really fit in my system or my grids. But yet, you'll be so happy when he blows your boxes up because it expands your whole world. He has so much for us, but it is going to be delivered in the place of stillness. It's a challenge for us. We've been programmed to be busy. You know, work hard, do this, do that. Um, it's really hard. And honestly, noise is addicting. Uh, some people really struggle. Like they have to have some kind of music or um, TV going all the time. It's, it's become, it's addictive. Sean talked so many good um, points about technology. And he said how we even use it when we don't want to feel. Like, starting to feel emotion, I don't like that emotion, where's my phone, I'm gonna Instagram it for a while. Um, because we don't know what to do with our emotions. Stillness will help you learn what to do with your emotions. Another thing, people are a little scared of stillness because of the thoughts. And I just wanna share something with you that was so freeing for me last fall, God um, showed me. So, I have been on some tough journeys, we all have, um, but I came under a lot of teaching, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but for the person who's a striver, it, it, it rooted wrong in me. And what that is is, you know, you have a thought, you battle it, okay? The enemy puts a lie in you, so you counter it with scripture. So here comes the thought, battle it. It was exhausting because the thoughts that were being waged or that I, sometimes I don't even want to blame the devil anymore. It's things that I have planted in my soul and I have believed and I've watered them. But this, he freed me up because see, he's a God of the simple. We make everything complex. But he said to me one morning, take no thought. And then he went on to say, Never mind them at all. See the word mind? He was drawing my attention to the word mind. Because you know, your kids mind you or mind this, mind that. He said, never mind them at all. See the word mind? 
Don't follow their directions, their rules, and their conditions. Do not let them ruminate in your mind. Trying to prove them wrong is engagement in the battle. Quantum physically, that's correct what he said. Imagine that. You will empower whatever you focus on. So it's kind of like the big bully on the playground that goes, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. And then you start engaging in the battle and pretty soon you are in a fight. What God was saying to me, when the nanny, nanny, boo, boo comes or whatever, deep, dark thought comes, you literally take no thought. That's what he showed me taking every thought captive is. It's not taking it and fighting it. It's like, oh, I see it, but I'm not going to engage in it. Oh, hmm, not going to engage in it. And pretty soon, the energy that it has anchored in your soul starts to shrivel up because it can't get you to engage with it. Instead, I choose to engage in stillness and in contemplation. Now, contemplation, I wonder if I can find that one. Oh, now I find the elixir. Here's the elixir one now. Um, contemplation is, is a sitting in, it's a sitting in stillness with your mind on, a, on spiritual things in the present, not in the future. So I, I, I've discovered that a lot of my stillness is contemplation time because I'm just sitting there in the present moment with him. My anchor bursts, be still and know there is, that I am God. Um, he really means that. I'm going to walk us through that verse. The first word is be. Be means to have objective existent, independent of the mind. It's like just being, independent of the mind. To have reality or actuality. To be is to live. It's to breathe. It's to exist. You are a being even apart from your mind. The antonyms or the opposite of be is to expire, to die, to perish, to pass away, to depart, or to succumb. It makes sense for God to say be. He does not want you to perish and pass away. And I don't just mean that in the eternal. I mean that in the day to day. He said, I've come that you can have life and have it in abundance. And it's going to come in being. Still. Still means devoid of or abstaining from motion. Can't be on the treadmill. Can't be awake during the surgery. It means sedentary, settled, not physically active. It means uttering no sound, to be quiet, to be calm, to be tranquil. I'm going to say that stillness is a practice. It's not something that you master, you learn, and you've got. 
it's a, it's a daily practice, it's a daily invitation to learn to be calm, to be tranquil, to just be. And know, I like this one, be still and know. Means to perceive directly, have direct cognition of. And this is where I wanna say, the stillness I'm talking about is not your devotional time, it's not your Bible reading time, it's not even your prayer time. That's not the stillness I'm talking about. The stillness is the being quiet so you can know. See, we think if I read this devotional, then you know, whatever, I maybe get points or I'm gonna learn something, or this devotional is gonna give me peace. Um, if I, heaven forbid, don't read my scripture for today, I'm gonna to be behind, and so I've gotta do that. No, this is, this, is, this is direct cognition. This is, he's going to talk to you directly, not through a devotional, which is great, but he wants to have a direct, a direct knowing. It means to be acquainted or familiar with and know, be acquainted with me, be familiar with me. To recognize as being the same as something previously known. I love this one too. It's like when you sit there, you recognize, oh, I've previously known you. Like, I knew you before I was even born. It means to be aware of the truth or factuality of, to be convinced of certain things. Be still and know. Some of the synonyms are appreciate. Be still and appreciate. Be still and apprehend. Be still and assimilate. Be still and behold. Be still and catch on to. Be still and comprehend. Be still and perceive. Be still and recognize me, my child. Be still and know. I am. I don't know, starting yesterday, this just, this just starts wrecking me. I am. How do you describe I am? Um, I even tried listening to a little clip of a Hebrew scholar trying to explain I am. And he was trying to explain how in the English language, which lacks so much, we don't get it. And yet he said even in Hebrew, it is not truly comprehended. I am. But you know, when Moses asked, who should I say sent me? God said, I am who I am. If you look up am, it means to be, to exist. He's saying, I am the being, like I am being, I am who I am. He holds all things together. He is like everything. He is existence itself. And then it wrecks me because be also means to be I am. 
It's like he's saying, be. Because I'm being. And you're part of me. Could you just be? Could you just let me flow? Now, God, we're familiar with that word, well, especially if you've gone to church, been a Christian, God is definitely one of the boxes that we've, you know, we use that word and we've got it figured out, we think. But I don't think we do. (laughs) If you look God up, it'll say, the source and center of all life, of all life, of all truth. Nothing exists outside of I am. Being perfect in power, wisdom, and goodness. The eternal spirit, he's the eternal spirit and the infinite mind. We use words, once again, as containers to to try to understand in our little mind, God. And it's the best we can do. It's, it's what we have as containers, but I, I don't ever want us getting caught in a container. Never get caught in a container. But some of the words we use that are beautiful, and just to sit and meditate on one of them is beautiful, but it's almighty, author, creator, divinity, eternal one. Godhead, Jehovah, King, Lord, Maker, Yahweh, Supreme Being. You know, I'm no longer, my feathers are no longer ruffled when someone doesn't use the word God or the word Jesus. It doesn't ruffle my feathers anymore when they say the Supreme Being because He is the Supreme Being. Sometimes we get so caught up in our boxes. Cindy McGill is uh, uh, in ministry and she goes into the Burning Man um, once a year and the Burning Man is a pagan festival. And it's an anything goes festival, a really anything, like really anything goes festival in the desert. And um, she goes incognito in her tent and sets up a tent, it's called Freedom Lounge. She, God said, you can't use my name but you can use my attributes, but you can't use my name because it's been sullied. And so if you say God or you say Jesus, immediately there's gonna be a wall that's put up. So use my attributes and talk to the people. Oh my gosh, what's happening is phenomenal. Like phenomenal. People are flocking to our tent year after year after year and they're saying, come on, because they're having an encounter with God, with the supreme being, and they're okay with that. And she's leading them into the truth. But see, sometimes our boxes sully things. I know that I know that I know that I know. Stillness is essential. It is so essential. It's really a very simple thing, 
but it's the simplest things that are the hardest because our intellect will get in the way nine times out of ten from us doing the simple things. It just will. I mean, think of the simple gospel. And over the centuries, what we've done to the simple gospel is, is made it anything but simple in a lot of times and places. We struggle with simplicity. There's a, okay. There's a gentleman I listened to. <laughs> and he's in one of these quotes somewhere here. Um, his, um, and if it comes to me, I'll tell you his name, but... He comes, uh, he's, he's talking science. And it's a teaching called the brain-heart coherence. And it's about meditation. Um, and it's about getting your brain and your heart to be in harmony. Which, as Christians, our brain and heart should be, but our brain 90% of the time isn't even here in the present. Um, but what he's saying, which once again, I just say science keeps proving God, um, that science now can tell you scientifically what is happening in a mystical experience or in a mystic's mind. They have science now because they can um, detect electromagnetic fields. So they can see what's happening when people meditate. And in the meditation that they talk about, it is not devoid of God. But what it is, it is taking those thoughts captive that keep popping up, and it's learning to come into agreement with the greater supreme being, the great love, life himself that's inside of you. He says when people's mind starts to learn how to be present and their heart there's a coherence that happens scientifically, and the electromagnetic field expands outside of them. They can measure this, I guess, three meters. And he said what they're finding in these scientific studies is that miracles are happening in this area. Like, they're kind of being blown away. Like, wow, this is crazy, and all these scientists are studying it. Um, it made me think of a... Peter's shadow. You know how he walked and people got healed? It's like Peter had a mind-heart coherence. He knew who he was. He knew who his God was. And at that point in his life, I think of his encounter after Jesus rose, he was surrendered. He was humbled. And he knew. He knew where life came from. I think... You know, what kept coming to me in the preparing of this message is that song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin in me. See, we want laws changed, rules changed, people converted, um, school systems doing this. We want all of this because if we get all that changed, there will be peace on the earth. But God says it's an inside job. When you have a heart-brain coherence, you are walking in peace. And you're taking that peace and love wherever you go. And if you get more and more people walking in that coherence, change will happen. God does things far more simpler than we do. Am I saying we shouldn't have rules and laws? No, I'm not saying that. 
but I'm saying, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let it begin with me. My head on your chest, the world does roar. Opinions, statistics, human knowledge galore. They scream and they shout, come this way and that, but it's your voice, oh my Lord, I seek here on your lap. My head on your chest, my breathing does slow. Our chests rise and fall in an intimate flow. It's you that I seek, your wisdom and truth. Your voice, oh my Lord, guiding me through. I was worship and wait a few years ago and you know, that's the first Wednesday of the year. I don't know, it was 17 or 18. And um, during the worship, you stop, you pause, you ask God for a picture. And then um, whoever was leading it had us partner up. So that my picture was, <laughs> I was running into the ocean. I'm running full speed into the ocean. Sounds good. What? Wow, sounds great. And there's a bench there. And I'm like, I knocked that bench out of the way and I'm running. So anyway, I get with um, Leisha and I tell Leisha, you know, we're supposed to share and then give wisdom on the vision. And I share, yeah, I don't know what that bench was. And so, so beautifully, Leisha goes, well, it makes me think of a park bench and rest. And I'm like, oh, like that was my life. I don't have time for that. I'm going to the deeper waters. Um, and so this park bench represents an invitation to come and sit. Come sit with me. Will you? Think of the verse, but you would not have it. Um, and so this is what he does. He's going to give you little things, and then it's going to keep coming up in your life. So I was at the Mayo Clinic in November or December or somewhere. Anyway, um, I had to go in this room to, to eat some radioactive breakfast, which I think is hilarious because I eat so healthy and I don't do preservatives and all that. And then I get to Mayo Clinic and they're like, you need to eat this radioactive food because we're going to watch it go through your system. So you just have to laugh. It's like, see, I think I want control or need control. But So anyway, I walk in the little room and there's three little tables. And I start going up to this table, and I just felt this nudge, because that's what Holy Spirit does, and I'm like, okay, I'll go to the next table. I sat down, get my little breakfast out, and I look up, and there's a bench, a picture of a park bench. And I just smiled. I smiled. It was as a reminder, just sit with me through this. Just, just be with me. Just sit. Just sit. believe God has a little kiss for you. We're going we're gonna to enter into a little stillness. And I'm going to enter us in by something that I've heard. Um, somebody by the name of Father Richard Rohr. He's just it's wonderful teachings. Um, wonderful teachings. And something he uses to help people enter into that time of stillness. And then we're going to be still for a couple minutes. And then we're going... I want you to remain in the stillness, but I want you to receive a little kiss from God. A dear friend of mine, Greta, who had no clue what I was talking on. See, this is how God works. This is how I know stillness is the message for his people, because she had no clue. And I'm at home scribbling ideas down, eh, 
for what I was going to talk about. And um, she sends this little audio recording to me. And she said, I was in worship. She just does spontaneous worship. She's a worshiper. And I felt like Papa said, record this. She goes, so I did. And then I felt like Papa said, send it to Patricia. So I'm sending it to you. So I click it. And it's 12 minutes, so no, we're not going to listen to that. Just a couple minutes. Um, I just had to pick out. It was very hard. I had to pick out just a little clip. But it's on sitting in stillness and quietness. And when God does those things to me, it's like, yep, this is what you want. This is the message you want your children to hear. So I'm going to lead us into stillness. Don't try to make anything happen. Just first of all, breathe. Just some deep breaths in, some deep breaths out. It helps me to close my eyes to get the distractions of the world out. And just take in breath of life, breath of life. Jesus is the breath of life. Just recognize how divine he is and how fearfully, wonderfully you've been made. And then at this very moment, there are thousands and thousands and millions of thoughts that he has for you. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know that I am Be still and know. Be still. Be.
as a present to the presence. May you allow him to do what only he can do in the stillness and may you allow him to speak his love over you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Sean, uh, Derek, are you coming up? Thank you, Pastor Patricia. That was fantastic. You know, uh, if you're looking for a, a time in your life where you can find that kind of stillness, like what we just experienced, where the world is just silent and you're okay with it, it's that moment when you get home, like you, you've driven home, and you stop the car and you turn it off, and your kids get out and they shut the door and you wait. That's the kind of stillness we're looking for. That moment where everything is just not. So uh, on, on topic here, I want to share something. A, a few, two months ago or so, my family and I were in Denver, and we went to the uh, Museum of Science and Nature. And in the How Humans Work exhibit, they had this game. And you would put 
one person on either side of a table and there was a ball in the middle of the table and then each person would wear this thing on their head, I measured brain waves. And the person who could calm their mind the most would win. And so I sat down with my family and I trounced every one of them, every time. Because I had a trick. I didn't clear my mind. When we try to clear our mind, it gets more full. You can't not think, right? So what I would do is I would sit down and I would close my eyes. And the first time, I imagined this, this scene. A couple of years ago, we were um, south of town at a, at a retreat um, in January. Um, there was snow everywhere, but it was a kind of a warmish day. And some clouds had come over and there was snow. And I was sitting on a porch and I was looking up and there was just a snowflake. Just little snowflakes. It was that kind of really, like we never see here. But it was one of those moments. So while I'm playing this game, I closed my eyes and I thought of that. And I imagined looking up at that, at that snowflake falling down. And I won very quickly every time. It was great. I don't win a lot. So whenever I can, I get a hold of it. So for me, if I try to think of nothing, I'm going to think of everything. So when it comes time for solitude and time to listen and time for Holy Spirit to speak to me, I, and I share this with the youth kids a lot too, because we do have this thing where we have to have noise. There's got to be something taking that space. Um, I'll say, close your eyes. Imagine yourself in a space, a comfortable space. Now imagine Jesus comes up and sits with you. Now just sit and listen and see what he has to say. And God is so good at using our, uh, our, our mind's eye. He's so good at using our imagination, you know, because he created it that um, I can't think of a time where I didn't calm myself and still myself and just listen that God didn't speak because he is always speaking. It's just a matter of whether I'm paying attention or not. So uh, if you had an encounter with Jesus today, if during worship or during, during Patricia's message or... Uh, this morning on the car ride in, wherever, uh, if you're at home, maybe your coffee was just super great. You feel like God made that happen for you. Uh, <laughs> if you had an encounter with God today and, and you feel like, man, that's something I want more of and I want to start following. I want to start following Jesus. I want to start experiencing this more often. I want to experience this life that we're, that we're talking about in this relationship with this God that, that just wants to sit with us and wants to speak with us. I'm going to give you some language here in just a minute to help you kind of get your mind where your heart is. And if you're here today and you've had this hat, like, like you had an encounter today with Jesus and you're like, man, I have not heard from Jesus. I haven't felt like I was following him. I haven't, I haven't been connecting with Jesus like, like I want to be. I'm going to give you some words too. So if you're in either of those two categories, I would ask you to, to repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for forgiving my sins and saving me. Jesus, I want to follow you. Please lead my life and help me to continue to hear from sorry, to hear your voice more and more each day. Thank you. Amen. Amen.